you guys enjoy that storm last night? Did you know there was a storm last night? Wow, what a storm. It reminded me of the magnificent power of God and how honestly as humans we're just sort of at the mercy of the elements, right? So when a storm like that happens at my house, I go out on the front porch and I just stand there and listen. And it was so incredibly loud, not just the thunder, but the hail was so loud. And I just love to be out there in those elements and stand there in my bare feet and just listen and feel the power of these elements that God has created and put into motion. You know, you can, have you noticed that weather can do whatever it pleases? Have you noticed that? That weather does what it, you can't stop the weather. Did you know that? Okay, unless you've uh, got a direct line with God, you can, I guess. But I mean, you can weatherproof, but even weatherproofing doesn't guarantee that a city won't be destroyed like what happened in Florida a few months ago or in India this fall, and even in Birch Bay, right, a few weeks ago. I went out there a couple of weeks ago just to check it out. My goodness, there's power in what God has created. And I think for me, storms are such a great reminder of how vulnerable I really am and how vulnerable you are in this world and how frail we really are compared to what rules us. And it could seem to us that storms and weather are the supreme ruler of our of our world but even storms bow to the one who is above creation and that's where i want to start with you this morning i want to remind you of this story that really highlights the fact that jesus is above all and supreme above creation matthew 8 it says suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat but jesus was sleeping it's like no big deal right i know these waves i know this storm The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and get this. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. You know, it's like Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves like he would an unruly child. A disobedient child. He speaks to them and he says, come back into submission. You know who I am. (laughs) Come back into submission. You know, when you think about the fact that Jesus created the natural laws that govern our world and our weather systems, then it makes sense that he's supreme above even the weather, above all of creation, and that he would be able to speak to the waves and to the wind and say, peace, be still. Come back into obedience. Don't you love that about Jesus? You know, when we know that about him, then it helps us understand how he can bring that calm into our lives as well. So let's jump into Colossians. We're going to just go over three verses this morning because it's such a powerful bit of scripture. I didn't want to add a whole lot to it. So Colossians 1 verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before. Can you say before? Before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. So here's your first point in your notes today. This is, this is basic powerful doctrine 101, okay? This is what you want to know about Jesus. Jesus is God's eternal image above all creation. You know, we just came through the Christmas season last month when we celebrate Jesus coming as a baby, right? This vulnerable little fragile baby. And we sing about baby Jesus and it's true that God submitted himself to the human form, came as a baby, as one of his own. 
But I think that a lot of people just assume that's where Jesus began. I think a lot of the people, a lot of people in the world honestly think Jesus began as that baby. But we need to remember this morning that that's not the truth. That's just where Jesus' human life began. But Jesus is eternal. Can you say eternal? Jesus is eternal. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He has always existed, Paul says, as a person of the Trinity, of the one true God. And Jesus was present at creation in the beginning of time as we know it, and he was present before creation in in time past eternal, or no time. He was present there. As John writes in John 1, he said, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So Jesus was there in the beginning, and in fact, the Bible says that Jesus was the framer of creation. Listen to what Hebrews 11.3 says. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, we had a great night at the fire Tuesday night. Dan Williams came by, and he's an apologist, master's degree from Biola, and he shared some great things about science and creation, which was just really, we really loved it. So this is a picture uh, that science uses to explain our origins, and it's called the Big Bang. And what you'll notice is that everything to that side of, of the bang is existence, and everything before that is non-existence, right? It's darkness, and, and actually, you know, I don't have a problem with the Big Bang. As you read it in Scripture, you know, that Jesus made a Big Bang when he spoke the word and we came into existence. This really, really, to me, affirms, affirms creation. That out of nothing was something made. So they call it the Big Bang. They recognize that something came from nothing. They just can't explain it. And so I like to think of it as a building project. But you just don't have a lumber store to go to. You know, God had to create what he built with, his building materials. And then Jesus framed the world. It says that God created the world through Christ. You know, I'm working on a building project right now. I'm going to do an add-on to our farmhouse, God's Garden. And uh, it's a rental that we have. So I needed someone to envision it. I needed someone to design it. I needed someone to draw it. And then I needed someone to oversee the project just to be sure that it gets built according to the plans that they drew. You know, for the building project of creation, the father was the visionary. He was the designer. He was the architect. And he's the general contractor. But Jesus, if you will, was the framer. You know, when it comes to building houses, I can do a lot. I can do a lot of the finish work. I do the floors and the counters and the, and the walls and the trim. I don't frame. I don't want to live in a house that I framed. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm not that good. I don't trust myself. I don't have the, uh, you know, the, the training that you need to be a good framer. And so I'm so glad that Jesus framed the world. He is the word, right? John says that he is the word. And God the Father let the Son do all the hard work of construction. Don't you love that about a dad? That's what kids are for, right? You have kids and then you give them all the hard work of construction. That's my kind of God. But the payoff is the kids also inherit it all in the end. And that's also true of Jesus. Jesus will inherit us in the end. Be worthy of his inheritance, would you? Live well. Live well. He will rule and reign above all. Hebrews 1, 2 says, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. 
So I want to go back to our text, verse 15, where it says, He existed before anything was created. You know, in the English Standard Version, it says that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Let's look at what that means. This is where a couple of major cults get this wrong. They read this as Jesus was created by God, not that he is eternal God. And that's how they become a cult, because that's not what the Bible says. The Greek word for firstborn here is prototokos. If Christ were first created, not firstborn, as some cults assert, the Greek word would have been prototesis. But it's not first created. It's firstborn. What does that mean? Firstborn refers to the inheritance. Jesus is firstborn in that he's going to inherit all that he's created. It was a biblical picture of what the firstborn received. It's a good deal to be the firstborn. (laughs) You have to keep everything. Jesus is referred to firstborn. He's the inheritor of all creation. But also firstborn means that Jesus was the first to be born to eternal life with a human body. He was the first to be born to eternal life. He blazed the trail for all of us. John affirms this in Revelation 1.5 when he writes, Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Here it says firstborn of all creation. John says firstborn of the dead. That means Jesus was the first with a human body to die and then be resurrected to eternal life. Other people before him died and were resurrected, but nobody to eternal life. Jesus was the first to be resurrected to eternal life. He's the firstborn of the creation that he created. Isn't that cool? He's the firstborn of the creation that he created. He existed before creation as God, and he entered his own creation as one of his creation. That's just powerful, guys. Have you thought about that? That is just powerful, powerful stuff. I love what Paul wrote in Philippians 2. He said, Though he was God, Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He did this on his own volition. Eternal God entered into human form. And so God's plan has always been to elevate him as fully God and yet fully man, supreme leader of the human race, and that one day even the angels that he created would worship him, the Son of God, the God-man. That's Jesus above all. That's Jesus supreme above all creation. Hebrews 1.6, when he brought his supreme Son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. So God's plan of creation involved the creator becoming creation. All-powerful, eternal God submitting himself to this fragile human body to become one of us so that he could live like us, so that he could experience life like us, so that he could love us by dying for us, and then he could save us, live like us, love us, and save us by rising from the dead, blazing the trail to heaven for us. But here's what I want you to remember about Jesus above all. Before being the firstborn of all creation, he was the creator of all things. Let's look on into verse 16, Colossians 1. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through Jesus. He made the things we can see. He made the things we can't see. 
such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So number two in your notes today, Jesus is God's agent for the creation of everything, physical and spiritual. Anybody tried to buy a house lately? How much did you spend? Just asking. You know, our daughter and her husband are looking for a house. They live with us. They rent from us right now. And and they've been pricing houses. And they've been pricing mobile homes for over $300,000 on a little piece of land out in the county. You know, I was telling them the other day that when we first got married, my wife and I were driving around Skagit Valley. We drove by this field out in the valley, and there was a mobile home out there with a for sale sign in it, not even hooked up to you, just sitting out in a field. $5,000. And so I bought it. And we hauled it to the, <laughs> to the trailer park in East Burlington, which is kind of like East L.A., and, uh, except, <laughs> except with a redneck flair, you know. And painted it, 5000 bucks. our second home. First home was thirty nine nine, but it was a real house. So 5000 bucks. we have this mobile home. And it was, it was great, like it was really safe there. The, the police were there every night watching out <laughs> for us. I'm not kidding. You'd wake up, you'd see the, oh yeah, blue and reds are here, you know. Little kids, I kid you not, little kids would wander into our mobile home and would, Gwen would give them something to eat. They'd fall asleep on the floor. She didn't know where they came from. And eventually they'd get up and wander back out and go home. When she got pregnant with Levi, she said, I'm not living in this trailer park with a baby. <laughs> I'm not going to have the wandering kids, you know, that <laughs> go to other people's homes. So then we moved the trailer out to a piece of property that we bought. But it's different today, right? It's different today. And and when you buy a house, you use a real estate agent. And you put the transaction in their hands, right? You put the terms of the sale in their hands. They write the terms for you. You tell them what you want. Well, God made Jesus the agent of creation. Think of it that way. God made Jesus the agent of creation. And the reason Jesus is above all creation is because he created all. He's the agent that created creation. And not only in the physical creation that we can see, but also the spiritual creation that we can't see. There's a whole created world around us. In fact, the Jews believed, the Hebrews in the early days believed, and I I believe this is true, that all around us right now, there's a spiritual realm and that heaven is here. It's not just a place up in the sky, but the spiritual world is around us. Angels, demons powers, forces around us. I believe that's true. Why not? The spiritual realm. It makes sense then, doesn't it, that when the demons saw Jesus coming in that cemetery, they recognized him. They knew him. And they saw him coming. And they screamed at him, Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? You see, they knew where they were going to go. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. The demons begged. They negotiated with Jesus. If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go. Like, I want to ask Jesus why he did this. Interesting, right? Of course, pigs weren't really on the menu, so I guess that's helpful. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. What are demons? Demons are fallen angels, right? So if you want to follow this to the possibilities, I guess we can presume that they are or were rulers in the unseen world. 
and Jesus had a hand in their creation. And then they fell, and they're cast out of heaven. John says in John 1, God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. I mean, that word everything kind of stands out to me. And in the spiritual, the unseen forces. And it says Jesus gave life to everything. He is above all. He is above all creation. Listen, when I go through a hard time, when I go through a hard time, this is comforting to me. I'm personally comforted knowing that my Savior didn't just save me for eternity, but that He's above all in my life right now. Any storm, any difficulty, any heartache, any challenge, Jesus is above all. That's where I rest. Listen, if I don't have that, I got nothing. I got nothing. I love the song, you know, give me Jesus. You can have the whole world, but give me Jesus. Jesus is where I rest. Colossians 1.17, our last text verse today. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He holds all creation together. I love that about Jesus. It's number three in your notes. Jesus holds all creation together. I believe that Jesus designed with the help of his Father and the Holy Spirit, designed and created the physical laws of nature that govern our world. That's why he can speak to winds and waves and cause them to be still. And you know, science has done a great job of discovering the what. Science really still doesn't know the why or the how. It works. In physics, it's called strong force that holds things together. That's the term that they have for it. Holds the quarks together. Some of you are a little quirky. We need to be held together, don't we? So science says there's a strong force that holds particles together, and they can't really explain it. On a universe level, it's called dark matter that holds things together. read an article this week on dark matter, November 26th. Last year, article, it says, Dark matter reveals what holds the universe together. This article says, Dark matter is invisible, but we know it exists. Well, what's the difference between that and faith in God? I, don't, I mean, it seems that dark matter is like scaffolding that holds the universe together. This scaffolding has been around since the Big Bang, congregating thousands of galaxies where the filaments cross. So as I was researching this week, I found this little video and I thought you'd be interested to see it. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. So just take a look at it. It's a secular video from a scientific viewpoint. And then we'll uh, close up. I want to see the glazed look over some of your eyes. <laughs> All the creatives in here are like, oh, just shoot me now, you know. All the scientists are like, yes, love it. A lot of mystery, right? A lot of mystery surrounding what we see around us and the laws and the principles of nature, and um, I, just, I just love believing in a God who designed all this. I just love that. Hebrews 1.3 says that the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Uh, just let me read that again. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. You know, I love... The fact that Jesus not only holds the universe together by the principles and the laws that he put into motion, but I love the fact that he also holds our lives together. And I started with this. 
this morning as I got into the message. Where would we be without Jesus holding our lives together? And again, it's a wonderful thing to me that the God who holds the universe together also puts his hands around our lives and holds us together. He is the stronger force, right? He's the stronger force that keeps us from flying apart. Sometimes life comes apart for us. Sometimes it can feel like we're losing control in life, and that's true. We have no control, really, over a lot of the things that happen in our lives. Relationships fall apart. Our health falls apart. Our finances fall apart. Have you been following the stock market? How was your last quarter? Not great, was it? Our families can feel like they're disintegrating sometimes. We struggle with anxiety and depression and despair. But Jesus, the strong force, holds us together. Jesus holds us together. Listen, if you're here today and you're feeling like life is flying apart for you, like things are falling apart for you, and you're in a season of just going through tough times, I want you to know that that probably almost everybody here in the crowd understands that. I want you to know that I understand that. I go through times where it feels like life is falling apart and things are flying apart. But I, I really want you to know that Jesus understands that. Jesus is the one that holds you together when life is flying apart. I love the fact that he's not only the creator but he's the sustainer. You know, this word sustain is a beautiful word. I asked Webster this morning what it means. And he said it means to support, to hold, or bear up from below. Come underneath, bear the weight of. So for anybody here today who's going through a time like that, as a follower of Christ, I want you to know that it's true that Jesus bears you up. Jesus holds you together. In those times when you feel like you have control, the best thing you could realize is that Jesus is here for you. And Jesus will sustain you through those hard times. And he has a point of this. He has something he's after with each one of us. He's after greater oneness, greater unity, greater union with him, deeper dependence on him. You know, somebody else called it serenity. One time. Anybody recovering in the room? They called it serenity. And I love this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And wisdom to know the difference. Serenity really is depending on Christ to hold you together when your world is being torn apart. I love what Paul says in Colossians 2.9. He says... For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. So when Jesus holds us together and we allow him to hold us together, what it results in in our lives is greater union with him, a more completeness in our life with him, a more involvement in our life by him a more union and interaction with his strength and his power, that strong force that he has for us. We actually become more complete as a child of God when we're going through hard times and we trust him to hold us together. We allow him to sustain us. But it's a choice that we make. You know, there was that old bumper sticker that I kind of at one time sort of hated because it sounded so trite. 
But in light of the scripture, it's absolutely true. Let go and let God. Give up control of the things you can't control and let God hold you together and sustain you to trust Jesus with our life and to trust him with our eternity. Why? Because Jesus is above all. This last passage I want to close with, Ephesians 1.21 says, Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Can you say anything else? Anything else that kind of covers it all, right? Not only in this world, but in the world to come. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you today as the worship team comes and closes our service today. Two things this morning I want to pray. One is, if you feel like you're in the middle of a time where life is kind of flying apart, having a hard time holding it together, feels like it's out of control, I want you to know that this morning I know exactly how that feels. And I want to pray for you. And more than that, I know exactly that Jesus knows exactly how that feels. And he's here for you. So if that's you today, I just want you to receive and invite him into that place where he's the strong force for you, okay? The other thing I want to do today is is I know that in this crowd there may be somebody who's never, ever really given their heart to Christ and asked Jesus to be their Savior. So if that's you today, what I want to say to you is that you're missing out on the holding together power of Jesus Christ. You're missing out on his ability to keep things together in your life when it feels like they're coming apart. There's such a benefit to knowing Jesus. I'm telling you, such a benefit. And so this morning, I want to pray that with you. If you're here and you want to give your heart to Jesus today, you want to receive him as your savior, just agree with that prayer today, okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, first we come and, and, and we recognize you as creator of all things. And we recognize you as the one who holds us together. And Lord, we, we confess your power over our lives, not our power. Not that somehow we can hold things together on our own, but Lord, your power. And, and, that, and that really the best time to let you meet us is when we're experiencing times where we feel at risk, where we feel like we're going to lose something. And we invite you into that place, Jesus, and you take control of our hearts and our lives and you hold us together. And like your word says, when we are weak, then you are strong. So we invite that this morning, Jesus. We invite you this morning to meet us where we're at and walk with us through this time of feeling very frail and at risk. And we thank you today for your strong holding power. And now for anybody who just wants to simply receive Christ as your Savior this morning, pray with me. Lord Jesus, today I'm aware that you are not only creator, but you are Savior. And that because you designed me, you know me. And you look right into my heart and you know exactly what I mean, what I need. And so this morning, Jesus, I, I confess that you're creator and you're the Son of God. That you came to this earth to be one of us. To grow up and experience life like us. To live like us. To die for us. And then to save us. 
So Jesus, this morning, I receive your saving power. I receive your salvation. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, to put me into that right standing with God so that I can experience your holding together power as I live out the rest of my days on this planet. Thank you for eternal life, Jesus. Thank you that you're the ruler, not only of this life, but of the next. And we proclaim you as Savior and Lord this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. You know, if you receive Jesus for the first time today, I'd love to pray with you today and just hear about it. If you need more prayer and would like someone to agree with you over something specific, make sure you come up and have prayer this morning. We're going to have people praying for you, with you. So do that. But let's worship the Lord. Let's give him glory for who he is. Let's give our tithes and offerings as we worship. Come on, let's just give Jesus our whole hearts today.